to us. We love Gio and Karen. Uh, you know, Gio's amazing. You know, when things get a little, you know, quiet, he just brings so much excitement to our lives. You know what I'm saying? You know, just when you're getting all serious, he has me laughing. And don't, do we not need spiritual men and women in our lives who can just sometimes make us laugh at ourselves most of the time, right? Today's lesson is called Open My Eyes. And... Um, I love this topic, and there's so many great scriptures that talk about our eyes being open to God. And uh, this is such a, an exciting weekend for me, and opening my eyes, because my son has come back from college for the first time. Uh, you know, he's been gone a whole month, feels like eternity. And uh, you should have seen our little doggy. We have this dog, Hash Brown, and he's just been acting so weird since Michael went to college. He's up at UCSB. And... Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was on the phone, and uh, it was around midnight, Tuesday night, and I pick up the phone, and you know, he says, hi, Mom, and I go, Michael, and our dog's sitting beside us, and he jumps up, and he looks at the screen door, gets all excited, and he thought Michael was coming through the door, and, uh, and then the other night, I was on Skype, you know, I did a little Skype, and he, his face comes on, I go, Michael, and our dog comes tearing out of the bedroom, barking, going crazy, so I was able to take my computer and just scan it to the dog. And that really melted my son's heart. So I'm not sure if he's home to see me or the dog, but we're happy. Whatever it takes, bring him home. But uh, the grandparents are in from Iowa this weekend, so it's a big reunion. And it's just been a phenomenal time uh, with our family. Uh, such a special time. And uh, I don't know about you, some of you have sent your children off to whether it's their career or college or whatever. And it's just it's such a challenging time to let go and trust. And I've had to open my eyes to the spiritual world and really trusting God with someone you've literally taken care of in your home for 18 years. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's an unbelievable experience, and yet I believe it's all part of the journey that God's created for us. Uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 13, verse 13. And this is Jesus speaking. And he says here, this is why I speak to them in parables. Matthew 13, verse 13. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. From this, for this people's hearts has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. These are the words of Jesus. And Jesus here talks about that we can be seeing, but not perceiving. See, there's a difference. We're all going through life. The real challenge isn't just, do you see what's going on around you, but are you perceiving? It's, it's a deeper level. And the Bible says when we perceive and we open up our eyes to God, that in the end it says, he will in turn heal us from the inside out. Amen. And that's what I really want to ask you today. Whether you're here for the first time, you're like me, you journeyed here and found your way, or you've been here a hundred times, I really want to ask you this morning to just relax. You got your back rub in today. You get some, 
you know, time to commune with God, to really open your hearts to a new perspective. That you will leave today looking at God and to this world with a renewed heart. You know, I appreciate so much uh, you sharing the communion. That, that was amazing, sharing from your life. And what a radical change. You know, what a, what a great example, a visual example for us this morning of a woman who saw the world through one set of eyes, who began to see through studying the Bible and opening up her heart to seeing truth, to seeing what really mattered in life, and to go from feeling deep hatred and a plan to kill somebody who had hurt her so deeply to being able to have an amazing marriage and family and to be at peace from the inside out. Because isn't that what we want as women? You know, we're looking for peace. And we can do so many things to try and create sanity around us. And if you like me, the harder you try, you know, the crazier it gets. And yet what God wants us to have is internal peace. Is the peace that it is going crazy around us, but we're so calm where it really matters. There is healing from the inside out. Go with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. You know, I believe that so many times it's hard to stop and look because we go into as women survival mode. We get into just making it through today. Ever have that feeling? You just, if I can just make it through this week, it'll be great. You know, I, I'm sure a number of you have children. How many of you have children? Lift your hand. Okay, lots of kids. I know that feeling. Okay, they got sports, right? Some of our kids have music. Some of them, we have very gifted children, I'm sure. Uh, then you've got, you know, school, and they have homework. You know, I've just been talking to so many of my friends, just going through that frenzy of the after-school homework. You know? It's like they're, they're reliving elementary all over again. I'm like, wow, you're really stressed out over this. No wonder your kid's neurotic, you know. It's like, redo that math problem. That's not a good essay. I said, wow, these poor kids. But anyway, um, you know, ever go through all those papers? Ever feel like you've got piles of papers everywhere? The mail just keeps coming in, the election papers, and then all the school papers, and all the things you need to be signed. And all of a sudden, the fundraisers are coming out. You know, and the school pictures are rolling in, and you go, oh, do I want to eat more? I didn't get enough. Grandma's going to be angry. And, you know, there's all these stresses that we feel. And, oh, my goodness, they get another half day. You know, where's the sitter? How am I going to find a sitter? Who's going to take What are they doing at 2 in the afternoon when I'm at work? You know, those feelings, all that stress point we feel with our children. Oh, no, potty training. She's two and a half, and she's still in diapers. You know, first of all, I'm running out of money buying diapers, <laughs> let alone her friends are all potty trained, and I'm delinquent. What's wrong with my child? You know, we feel this pressure, whether it's potty training or their homework or sending them off to college. You know, I've already heard so many stories about his room, roommate, you know? And of course they're not about him. I'm sure I need to talk to the roommate to find out about him. But it's like, oh my goodness, you know? He kind of tells me some info. They go, whoops, you know, mom didn't hear that, right? You know? Um, but of course he wants me to know. He kind of lets it slip out and then he pulls back, you know? And whether you're potty training or they're in the dorms in college or you're in elementary going, 
hello, why do they have two hours of homework? To AYSO soccer, and the other parents are going crazy, going, isn't this AYSO soccer? You know, <laughs> this is not club soccer. You know, I was at a club, uh, AYSO soccer game yesterday, and it was so much fun to watch my little niece out there playing soccer, and I'm taking pictures. And it was, it, I just love community sports. They're, they're just so much fun. But perhaps, you know, you are in survival mode, where you're just trying to get through the next pile of papers. And the thought of getting deeper and getting to know God better or having more time with God is overwhelming to you. You know, has church become an addition versus the solution? Perhaps for you, you, don't, you know, you're checking out different churches or you haven't been at church for a long time, but the thought of being committed to Looking at your scriptures or going to church on any kind of a consistent basis is overwhelming because you're like, I'm already maxed. The thought of adding is so overwhelming. Look at Ecclesiastes 3 in verse 11. And this is God speaking to you. It says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. And we do live in a beautiful, beautiful city. He has also set eternity in the hearts of women. Yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. What the Bible is teaching you here and teaching me is that he created you and he has put eternity in your heart. So what that means is that no matter where you're at in life, maybe for you, your kids are growing up. You're not potty training anymore, but you're worried about your grandkids. You know, you know at least with your own kids, you could put them to bed when you wanted to put them, and you knew where they were. These grandkids... Now you're trying to control your kid and your grandkids for the sake of the grand. Okay, you know, my kids drive me crazy, but my grandkids are so innocent. i got to take care of them, right? You know, that next generation. It never ends. So my mother-in-law tells me. You know, it just goes on and on. So what's the solution? The Bible says that in your heart of hearts, you know deep down that the solution is spiritual. That the solution is that you were created in the womb to have a true, meaningful relationship with God. That is the solution. God never created your spiritual life to be an addition. He created it to be the solution. That it is at the heart of who you are. It affects how you handle those piles of paper. It affects how you handle your child when they just won't let you potty train them. It affects how you feel when you're back-to-back appointments and you're going from one sport to the music lesson, to the class, to a a work party. It's just ongoing on. It's a solution how to handle that pressure. 
And I pray today that as you leave, we're eating that good food back there. Can you smell it? Oh, good. I'm glad they're not letting the smell come through. I may lose your attention. You know, all that great potluck back there. There's nothing like a good old potluck, especially on a day where it's a little chilly. And, you know, I bet you there's a couple crock pots back there, is there? You know, getting our food all warm. There, there, there's nothing like being able to lay your head in the pillow in the midst of all the craziness and know that the most important area of your life is in order. Point number one, clean your windows. I know, I know, it's kind of radical. Okay, clean your windows. And now I just give you another thing to feel guilty about, your windows. Yeah, my windows. I haven't gotten to my windows in months. Sorry, I didn't mean to make you feel guilty or anything. You know what I mean here. I'm going to read just a short thought. And I want you to think about your life. Remember back in the day, maybe you grew up where mom hung out the clothes. Ever have a clothesline? How many of you ever saw a clothesline before? Okay, very good. Okay, you're with me. You know, I grew up in, in, a, in a, a small community where you hung your clothes out all the time. And you bring them in, the towels would be kind of crisp and hard, you know, and smell good. Yeah, I grew up with that. It says here, a young couple moves into a new neighborhood. The next morning, while they were eating breakfast, the young woman sees her neighbor hanging their wash outside on the clothesline. That laundry is not very clean, she said. She doesn't know how to wash correctly. Perhaps she needs better laundry soap. Her husband looked on but remained silent. Every time her neighbor would hang her wash to dry, the young woman would make the same comments. Ever do that? Those neighbors. About one month later, the woman was surprised to see a nice clean wash on the line and said to her husband, look, she's finally learned how to wash correctly. I wonder who taught her this. Certainly wasn't the neighbor, right? <laughs> she just analyzed. The husband said, I get up early this morning and I clean our windows. And so it is with life. What we see when watching others depends on the purity of the window through which we look. The issue was never, the lady never knew how to wash her clothes. The issue was she was looking through her own dirty windows. As we are looking at life, and we are opening our eyes to see truth. Where is your heart? How clean are the windows to your heart? Because you can be analyzing and critiquing everyone's actions. And you may even see a few things that are true. But if you are not dealing with your own heart you will not see accurately. You will be making conclusions and decisions and even acting on them in your marriage, with your family, because you believe so deeply your perspective. And yet I believe first things first, as Jesus said, the issue is not who we're looking at. The issue is 
are we really perceiving accuracy in our own hearts? Because you can be seeing, mm -hmm. but not seeing truthfully. Mm -hmm. Because of your own heart. Mm -hmm. Look with me in 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to look at a great story here today that I believe is so encouraging. I find this story one of the most inspiring stories in the Bible. Okay, So we're going to go on a little journey. Are you with me here? Um, open our eyes. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 11. The story here, there's a, there's a guy by the name of Elisha. Elisha was a good guy, okay? I'm going to give you a quick backdrop. Elisha was a great guy, great man of God. And he was helping out God's team. He was on God's side. And just like in life today, there's good and there's evil in this world. And there's battles we all face. And in this battle, Elisha was helping out the king of Israel. He was saying, hey, this is where the bad guys are. Dodge them. Get out of the way. And the bad guys were getting upset going, what's going on? We can't get these, these Christian people, these Jewish people back then. We can't get them. What's going on? And they found out that Elisha was helping out. And they said, well, obviously the solution is let's take out Elisha. Let's take out this guy that's helping God's people. We're going to jump in here in verse 11. It says, this enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord, my king, the king said one of the officers, but Elisha the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. You see that? That's in the Bible. In your bedroom. Even God hears what you say in your bedroom. You know? Doesn't make you think, wow, no one can hear me right now. Well, God hears everything. God knows everything about you. Even the very things in the depth of the heart that maybe you have never shared, but feel. God cares so deeply about our hearts. Then it goes on in verse 13 and says, Well, go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He's in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. As you look here, God's people are looking up to the hills. And they literally look around and they're completely surrounded by horses and chariots who are about to take them out kill them. I can't imagine how overwhelming that would be. To literally be, it's one thing to see them over here, and over here is clear, we're running this way. <laughs> no, you're completely surrounded by the enemy. You know, sometimes in life we can feel that way. There are often times in life where we know deep down God has set eternity in our hearts, but if you're like me, you think, I can take care of it. I got this figured out. Because God did give you an ability to do things. He gave you an ability to accomplish things. He also gave you your very breath. Every breath we take is a gift from God. But sometimes we can start thinking, I'm doing pretty good in this breathing thing. You know, I got it down. We forget that God's giving us that every breath. 
We do a project at work, and we accomplish, and it looks good, and people say, hey, great job. Hey, I'm doing pretty good. And we forget that the abilities to do that were given by God. And so we can become independent and start, stop seeing the spiritual battle. Oftentimes, it's challenges that come in our lives that make us stop and pause and open our eyes. You know, what are the challenges in your life right now? And if you don't have any, that's awesome. You, know, you can take these notes for next week, right? Because I promise you, they're coming, okay? It's, life just has that way. You know, for some of us, it's financial. You know, that feeling of too many bills and not enough month, right? It's like the bills keep coming. Ever feel that way? Ever feel like you have more bills than checks? Ever feel like, you know, you're like, man, I know they said, you know, back in 2007, you don't even have to start your payment to 2009. Wow, two years. I can have this and not even be paying for it. You know, then 2009 comes. Oh, it's kind of it's ratty now. Looking kind of worn out. Now I have to start, I haven't even paid for this thing yet. It's worn out. I want a new one. But I haven't even, well, I'll sell it on eBay. You know, we'll, we'll figure something out. You know, and what happens is we can, we can, maybe you don't do this, but maybe you know somebody who's done this, where you start getting in debt. And you start incurring debt leading to more debt. And you're robbing Peter to pay Paul, the old saying. And there is no stress like it. That feeling of the phone calls and the creditors. Or the feeling of spending money that your spouse doesn't know about. And it was never initially maybe a huge purchase, but where the sin came in is you, you ended up lying to cover the purchase because you knew you'd be unhappy. And so now there's the guilt of the purchase, but the greater guilt is now there's a, a wall between you and your husband because of the deceit. There's so many times the actual initial offense isn't good, but the deceit that we put in our marriages actually creates a much bigger wall. And we start pulling back and getting afraid. Finances are a huge thing that actually, if we let it, can humble us and open our eyes to truth. You know, another area that we can really open our eyes to is in relationship challenges with our family, you know, with our children, with our mom and dad, with our brothers and sisters. There's so many challenges in family, you know? You know, this, this whole word, what, dysfunctional? Isn't that a word? I have not met a family that's functional. You know, like, what, what is functional, you know? It's called, what is, you know, we love, oh, we're just dysfunctional. Yeah, it's called we're human, we're sinners. You know, that's why we need God to bring functional into our world, you know. God is the one that studied eternity in your hearts. God is the one that knows how to create order in our families. But we should not be shocked with the dysfunction that occurs in our lives and our families. Reality is when you put two people together, well, if you put ten people together, what's going to happen? Sin, issues, help. You, we need help. Family struggles 
don't have to take us out spiritually. Family struggles don't have to keep us running from God. Family struggles can be the very thing that reminds us that we're spiritual beings. That the solution to the pain in our lives and our relationships is God. Perhaps for you it's health. Perhaps everything's going well in most areas of your life, but you went to the doctor and you got that report back. You know, there's nothing worse than the waiting game when it comes to health. What do you mean? You'll tell me next week. Ever get that phone call? You know what I hate? I've gotten a few of those calls, and it's like Friday at 530. This happened to me last week. You know, they'd done this test, and the results had come back, and I got them. They left the message during the day, of course, but, I, you know, I'm running around doing things, and then about 530, check my messages. I call back. The office closed at 5 p.m. We'll be open again on Monday at 9 a.m. I have to wait three days. I have to wait till Monday morning at 9. Does ever have that feeling? You know, then it's like, well, you need a little more vitamin D. Oh, <laughs> great, I can handle that. But, you know, I thought I was dying of cancer or something. You know, but that waiting game yeah. is stressful. Mm-hmm. Health challenges. You know, my sister went through a very difficult time and still has challenges with migraine, where she was hospitalized for nine days with high-level migraine that did not come down. They took the three best treatments that are three days long each in the world, no one in the world, and none of them touched the migraine. And they finally had to give her such huge uh, doses of uh, steroids that she gained 25 pounds in 24 hours. And it didn't even take it away. It just knocked it from here to here. But that was a very challenging time to watch her. I flew home. Um, After the mother-in-law was there for the nine days, I flew home and she got out of the hospital and was just there for another week. And she looked about 80. You know, but we all have health challenges at times. And it's very stressful. You know, when we have health challenges, we need to let it open our eyes to God. Verse 16. These are words... From God says, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Whether it's finances, family, relationship challenges, health challenges, God says, Don't be afraid. The prophet answered, Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed. Look at this, look at this. Oh Lord, open her eyes, so she may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked around, and what did he see? The hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. See, what God wants us to do is to look around, and we're in a spiritual world. We see physical, right? We say, well, that's kind of a pretty top, yeah, nice dress, beautiful. You know, we see a nice hairdo. I went and got my nails done for today. It was awesome. And um, had to have a good excuse, right? Oh, I've got to do my nails. That's what we see. You know, a nice hairdo over there, great job, you know? (laughs) We love the physical, and God created us to enjoy these things in life. But what really matters is what we don't see. What really matters with you is inside your heart that no one sees. What really matters to God is the spiritual. And what he said is, open your eyes, and they looked up, and yeah, the enemy was still there. But they saw around the mountains, what? Chariots of fire from God. 
And as we look around today, we see a building. There is a battle going on between the angels and the demons right now for your heart. For your heart right now, there is a battle that's bigger. That's bigger than all the piles of paper, the potty training, and the stress of our children going off to college and our grandkids. It's bigger than all that. In fact, it's the solution to that. Because reality is some of these challenges in our lives and our families' lives, reality is, personally, we can't fix it. Ever come to that conclusion at times? You ever just try to fix somebody? I do. Every once in a while, I just really try to fix somebody. You know? And it just drives them crazy. You know? Right? Not true, Mindy? I tried to fix her a couple times. You know? And, uh, and then she ended up fixing me. What happened with that? You know? <laughs> you mean I got a problem? Yeah, you have a problem. Okay, I have a problem. You know? You know, it ends up being me with the problem. Ever do that? Ever get in marriage counseling? You're like, oh, yes, come on, he's going to get it. Cheryl, what do you think? And I don't, man, my husband. And, and then, like, ten minutes into it, I'm getting all the help. What's with that? I'm like, what's going on here? They look up, and they see the mountains, the hills full of God's people, the chariots of fire. That's what God wants you to see this morning. You see all the problems and the pain in your life? God has the power. God has the power to heal you and give you the comfort and the solution through his word, through the Bible. Bible? Yes, Bible. This here has everything we need and to give us direction for our hearts. Whether you're here for the first time or you've been here a hundred times, that is the solution. And even for myself, every once in a while, I know it intellectually, I have to, you know, just kind of go, whoa, I need some time in the Psalms today. I need to let God's word minister to my heart that's really stressing out right now. Ever feel that way? And then look what happened in verse 18. As the enemy came down towards him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike these people with blindness. That's what he said. God, blind the enemy. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Look at that. So see the irony here? The enemy became blind, and God's people began to see. And that's what God wants. We go in this world, and we can feel like the world has all the answers. That's where truth is. Keeping up with the Joneses. You know, getting on the club soccer, which I think is club soccer is awesome. But we, we get caught up in all the, the rat race of, of, of achieving. And yet the Bible says, no, no, no. The world is where blindness is. Truth is with God. Okay? That's what the Bible teaches. I want to encourage you through this to go back and study this out more on your own. That truth is with God in the scriptures. And the blindness is in the world. The blindness is with, the Bible says, the majority. And that's so hard for me. I want to go, well, most people think this way. It must be right, right? No, the Bible teaches that it's the minority. It's the narrow road where truth lies. We need to be women today that clean our windows. You can clean your neighbor's windows if you want, but clean your own first. Amen? Final point, climb a tree. Clean your windows and climb a tree. Look with me in Luke 19 as we close out today. Luke 19. 
I'm a coming. Hang on. Luke 19, verse 1. We're going to look at a guy who I just love in the scriptures. This guy, you know, he just challenges me. And I want him to challenge you today. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Let's just stop right there. Jesus was in Jericho and he was passing through. You know, there are times, and the Bible teaches this, where our hearts are more spiritually open. And you may already be able to look at your life and look at patterns in your, in your life where you really got serious about God and then it kind of petered out. Then you got serious again. Ever go through that? Ever grow up? I mean, I don't know about you. I grew up with, you know, the Bible. I had the Bible. It was a King James Bible. Good Bible, but just a little bit hard to understand because all the these and the thous. And I remember as a kid, I want to read the whole Bible. Ever do that? Anyway, I got the book of Genesis out. Well, I better start at the beginning, right? And I thought, man, these people have a lot of kids. <laughs> they begat and begat and begat. And I go, man, there's so many families. I can't even read all these names. But I'm going to do it. You know, ever do that? You know, then six months later, you're doing your biannual closet cleaning, you know, and you go underneath the bed even and go, ooh, cobwebs and, you know, dust balls. And you, and, oh, my Bible. Oh, yeah. Genesis 6. Never quite made it, you know, <laughs> to the end. Ever do that? Then you have a couple of years. Man, I'm going to read the whole Bible. You know, this time I'm going to start a Matthew. You know, and so I went through that in life where I'd get all excited about the Bible, and it would just kind of fizzle out, usually never intentional just kind of didn't get back to it, right? The Bible says Jesus was passing through. I want to encourage you, if you're here today, Jesus is passing through your life. Right now, you're here, and you go, why am I here? Well, I believe because Jesus is getting your attention. He's getting your attention. He wants your attention. And he not only wants it for the next few minutes, he wants your heart. He wants you to open up your heart. Verse 2, it says, A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. October 15th, wasn't that the taxes due, you know, late, the late taxes due a couple days ago. I went to the post office and there's a line out the door. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. You see the heart of Zacchaeus. I don't know about you. I'm kind of short. I'm 5'4", right? So I'm, I'm kind of used to it. Now my boys are 6'3 and 6'2". My husband's 6, so it's 6'3", 6'2", 6'5'4". You know? <laughs> So in all our pictures, I'm kind of like this shrimp, you know? And, you know, I understand being short. And then I put my family's picture on Facebook, and a friend came on and said, "Why wow, you look kind of like a shrimp, right? Something like that. And I go, yeah. Well, actually, even in my physical family, my brother's 6'3", my sisters are 5'9", 5'8", and I'm here, the shrimp, you know? I have a sister, a half-sister who's like 11, you know? <laughs> Still taller than her. But a few years, I promise you, I'll be the shortest in my whole family. Zacchaeus was a short man. He knew that in the crowd he was going to get lost. And he wanted to see Jesus. What are you willing to do to see Jesus? Zacchaeus climbed a tree. It's pretty radical. 
What are you willing to do that's radical today to see Jesus? I'm going to give you one thing, one thing to do today. If you have not seriously studied the Bible and really sat down and just given it a shot, I know my Bible. I know, I know you know your Bible. But I'm just saying, just sit down again and let someone teach you. Remember in the story we just read about Elijah? God always uses people. Yes. Elijah went to the servant of God. He will always use people. That's the stinker of it, isn't it? You know? Why does he have to use people? Because then they're going to get all in my business. I'm going to have to get open and I'm going to cry and I'm vulnerable. I don't want people to know all my stuff. It's the truth. I want you to give it a shot. Open up your heart and climb a tree. Open up your heart to study the Bible and say, I'll do it. I'll sit down and I'm going to look at scriptures with you. Let's look on. It says, when Jesus reached the spot and looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. I love that. He had dinner with Jesus. You know, that there was a whole crowd there. Did anyone else have dinner with Jesus? No. Zacchaeus had dinner with Jesus because he was willing to do something radical. He was willing to climb the tree. You know, Jesus was the creator of the universe. He was with God from the beginning. He knows your heart. He, he's not just to know, to know your heart, but he's a healer of your hearts. All the stresses in our life, he wants to be there to really help you heal. Are you willing to let Jesus in your home? You know, sometimes, well, maybe the front living room. You know, are you willing to let him in? I studied the Bible with a lady once. You know, she let us in her house. We could only go in the formal living room. You know, so when she let us into her other living room, we're like, yeah! Woo! We're friends now. She let us in the living room, you know? We're, we're family, you know? And uh, it's funny, we have these boundaries we put in place. I'll let you in this far. Jesus wants to be all in. He's not looking for you just to have a little bit of religiosity, just to irritate people. He wants your heart for true healing, true healing. Amen. Then look what Zacchaeus did after spending a little time with Jesus. In verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. There's something about being with Jesus and getting into the scriptures that will motivate you to deal what's really bothering you. And there's not a woman in here that doesn't have something in your heart right now that's tugging, that's bothering you. It's just pricking your conscience. Maybe it's something that happened 20 years ago, 30 years ago, last night. That's where Jesus wants to meet you for dinner. Right there. He evokes a desire for change. That's true Christianity. 
Religion evokes traditional responses. Doing the same thing every day, every week, every, every holiday. Christianity evokes change. And it's exciting. It deals with the inside. And what it does, it gives you hope. Maybe you've been striving to live a Christian life, and you just feel a little flat. You know, you're faithful, just a little flat. I want to challenge you in this story to look at Jesus. Because I think what made Jesus' life exciting was people like Zacchaeus. You know what I mean? Just going along, passing through Jerusalem, crowds, who's this guy in the tree? Hey, come on down, let's have dinner. You know, oh, all of a sudden they're having a good talk, and he's just like, I'm giving back four times, I'm changing my life, and Jesus is like, whoa, this is awesome. What a great heart. See, sometimes we can live, try, we're trying to live that Christian life, we're just going along, and we've just gotten into the routine of the community. And no one's climbing trees around us. You say, well, I'm not Jesus. Well, let me tell you, you can be like Jesus by loving and caring for people's hearts. As you look at your life, who, whose heart, hearts are you loving and caring for right now outside of your physical family? In your community, in your neighborhood, at your school, at your work? Who are you loving and caring for that, frankly, isn't asking for it? You know, they come, well, you love me today. No, they're not, gonna, <laughs> they're not asking for it. I can promise. In fact, they're like, who are you? Yeah. You know, who are you loving? Because that is what brings excitement into true Christianity. You say, well, you don't understand. I've got kids. When I was single, I was crazy. But these children are driving me crazy. No, um, you know. <laughs> I, I, I gotta be vigilant. I gotta raise these kids right, perfect. You know, they're gonna, I don't want them to go astray. I want them to follow God. Amen. I'm with you. Here's the challenge to be like Jesus is children smell hypocrisy a mile away. And what will turn your kids off of true Christianity more than anything? is a parent who's not involved in their purpose. Because they're going to go, this is boring. You say, well, I don't want to overdo it. We'll let you know. Don't worry about that. We'll let you know if you're overdoing it. Just get going, right? We just got to get going. We just start, we just start, start looking for those people in the trees, you know? Just someone to love. Just love somebody. Some, well, I don't know what to do. You know, I know that feeling. You get overwhelmed. Where do I start? Let me read this thing. It says, author and lecturer Leo Biscalagia once talked about a contest he was asked to judge. The purpose of the contest was to find the most caring child. The winner was a four-year-old child whose next-door neighbor was an elderly gentleman who had recently lost his wife. Upon seeing the man cry, the little boy went into the old gentleman's yard, climbed onto his lap, and just sat there. When his mother asked him what he said to the neighbor, the little boy said, nothing. I just helped him cry. You go, well, what do I do? You know what this world needs? We need someone just to sit there and help, help him cry. Because we live in a city, in a countryside, in the shoreline, that people are crying by themselves. 
People are crying themselves to sleep. They're on the verge of divorce. They are divorced. They're going through a divorce. They got health issues with their children. They are losing their parents. There's so many, so much pain going on along this coastline in a moor park. And this city needs Jesus. This city needs love. And we may not know all the things we should do, but you know what we can do? We can sit like this little boy and we can just help him cry. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. As you are passing through people's lives, are you Jesus for them? When people get around you and see your love, to see your genuine care for people, do they want to climb a tree to get dinner with you? That's the kind of love that creates change. And I want to encourage you as we close out today to open your eyes and to see life differently. To not just see, but to perceive. Because Jesus kind of got them going when people were, got all religious, right? They got all religious and they were doing all the religious deeds and they even went to church. They even did a few good deeds. But you know what? They didn't perceive. The Bible says Jesus wants us to perceive not just see. And whether you're here for the first time or the hundredth time, I really want to ask you, as you look at Elisha, are you seeing the chariots of fire day to day, or do you see the enemy coming at you? As you look at Zacchaeus, as Jesus is passing through in your life, are you feeling, man, I need answers. I need to go back to the beginning. I need to go back to where God created me. He put eternity in my heart, and I really want to get things right in my life spiritually. It's not an addition. It is the solution. And as I look at my life, I really want to make a difference in people's lives. That's where the excitement in Christianity is. Impacting. And even if they don't respond, just being like Jesus brings peace. Just doing the right thing. Loving at all costs. Loving no matter what. I can lay my head in the pillow and sleep well. And I want to challenge you to have the heart of Christ. And wherever you're at in your love, to go deeper. To say, I am at my workplace, at my school, in my community, with my neighbors. I'm going to look at them, not through my dirty windows. I'm going to clean my own window today. And when I look at them, I'm going to love them. And I'm going to care for them like I never have before. Thank you very much.